podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. I'm Sam Keir, host of Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. For the past 12 months, I've been talking to T20 star David Visa, getting his take from behind the scenes at the IPL, the 100 and the rest of the world's biggest leagues. That's the Donnelly view system deal. There's no <laughs> ways in my mind that was up. These guys don't know how to win at this stage. He had his driver pick him up in his Bentley. People start chanting your name. You kind of have to pinch yourself. Hitman for Hire, a year in the life of a franchise cricketer. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Sport Social. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, and welcome to a special edition of Media Matters for Anfield Index. Ladies and gents, it seems a crazy time both on and off the pitch at the moment, doesn't it? With stands not being built, Bournemouth set to visit on Saturday, and the excitement of many, or maybe not, dependent on which camp you fall into, a new arrival set for Anfield any day any minute now fingers crossed pleased to say it's not his first time we've managed to snare him we've got him back so pleased to be joined by ben bokshak from liverpool.com ben how are we yeah great to be on i'm looking forward to this good stuff and i have to give you a a special shout out and a bit of a a nod of appreciation because i know you're joining us from hungary you are broadcasting international so to speak aren't you today yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm just here on, on holiday visiting family. So, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's good to be here. I think there's a lot of Sobosay excitement. I've seen a few Sobosay shirts in Budapest. Uh, nice. Going to a game later as well, and I'm 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 looking forward to seeing probably more Sobosay shirts as well. Brill. Yeah, absolutely. I can well imagine. And it's naturally not the midfield we want to start talking about because I'm sure you, like many other Reds, have seen the news that almost, it kind of broke last night from nowhere almost, Ben, that, mm. and I'm probably pronouncing this wrong, but Watoro Endo, the Stuttgart midfielder, the Japan captain, a fee had been agreed with his club Stuttgart. He is now potentially, as we're led to believe on reports, on Merseyside right now doing his medical and a fee around, as David Ornstein reported it, 90 million euros. So roughly in translation, somewhere between 15 to 16 million pounds in that regard. I mean, I I did really want to get straight off your take on this because it is important to say, whilst many of us have been Googling, YouTubing, trying to find footage and that type of thing, you've actually mentioned Endo before quite a bit. So with that in mind, what do you actually think of this signing, the player, and his suitability for Liverpool at this moment? Yeah, I've, I think I'm a fan of it, to be honest. Uh, he was actually kind of on my radar, uh, like, I think, as the the Caicedo stuff seemed like it was not going to happen, I was kind of looking at 
holding midfielders Liverpool could bring in who are kind of similar. And I kind of flagged him up, but I discarded him because of his age. It just felt like Liverpool were not going to go there because he's 30 years old. Uh, But, you know, like you mentioned, it's come out of nowhere. Uh, Like the Liverpool transfer business of old, which we like, uh, I don't think we like the drawn-out sagas of the Caicedos and the Lavias that we've had in the past few weeks. So this this transfer came out of nowhere. And I think overall, it's it's a smart transfer. I mean, um, Liverpool do, do need experience. Uh, I think there's no denying that. Klopp mentioned that, I think, in his first press conference in pre-season, yeah. uh, that he needed a, a Milner to kill off games. And... I think he just found it with, with Endo. I think he's, he's, he's that kind of player and he's also very reliable. I think he played the second most minutes out of Bundesliga midfielders last season. Uh, pretty much always available since he's moved to Europe. And I think you can't really ask for much more. Yeah, I can well imagine, especially if we think of our recent history, when you use those phrases like reliable, available, it's not always something we've been talking about in regards to Liverpool's midfielders. I mean, what are the things, and I looked at a few of your your tweets and previous posts that that you put, if I'm reading it right, and please do correct me on this if I'm wrong, that Endo is type of game that very much his stats seem to centre around things like interceptions, clearances, even for a, for a player below six foot, his aerial dual success seems to be notoriously high. Is that what you think he's going to bring to the party? Is that why Liverpool have identified him as, you know, the first one in, shall we say? Yes, I think he brings a lot of reliability. He is literally what Klopp said uh, Milner was in terms of killing off games. He's that type of player. And I think on top of that, he's got a bit more sort of creativity to him as well uh i've been speaking to uh, a japanese uh goalkeeping coach who worked at stuttgart's academy and he kind of arrived at the club at the same time as endo and they they became good friends and obviously he's followed his rise in the last four years since he arrived at in stuttgart and he he highlighted his his ball winning abilities ability to read the game but he also kind of mentioned to me like keep an eye out on his offensive play as well. He's someone who can create chances and who can contribute with goals and assists. I think last season he made 11 goal contributions in all competitions, which is not bad for a holding midfielder. Uh, And then obviously, if you look at his last three games, which probably doesn't give you a full picture. I mean, obviously it doesn't give you a full picture, but uh, I'm sure you've seen my tweet. He has uh, two goals and two assists in his last three competitive matches for Stuttgart. So, you, you kind of want to be bringing him up at this time, to be honest. He, he seems like he's in good form. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's un, it's understandable. There's a there's a lot of uh, excitement. It almost feels like, dare I say it, a bit of a, a cult hero potential, especially as I can't ever remember us signing a player who, who wears a mouth guard during games. So that's probably a bit more into his sort of cult hero element as well. Well... I wanted to talk about sort of the the financials a little bit in the market because naturally this is something that's drawn attention. And like you say, there's been those who said, you know, 30, look at his age, the fee. And the fee, somewhere as we're told by David Onstein, around the 19 million euro mark. So as we say, translates about 15, 16 million, give or take. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
in the market at the moment, when we are seeing, you know, Caicedo go for 110, Rice for 105, you know, even talk of Paqueta being not far off that if he is to move to West Ham. They're not all exactly the same type of midfielder, don't get me wrong. But does it feel, in essence, that somewhere around 50 to 60 million? I'm not saying it's nothing, but it's obviously a considerable amount. But in the market at the moment, it doesn't seem that high a risk, does it, in that regard? No, it, it seems like a fair price. I mean, look, I know he only has a, a contract until 2024, so he's got one year left on his contract at Stuttgart. But he is the Stuttgart captain. He's the Japanese national team captain. Yeah. To, sign, to sign him for that kind of money, I think overall is a good deal, um, even with one year left on his contract. Um, I mean, it's kind of around the same fee that Liverpool got for Jordan Henderson. And as a like-for-like replacement, I don't think that's a bad deal. Yeah, that that is understandable. I think a, a few fans have seen it that way, especially as you mentioned Jurgen Klopp had, had sort of name-checked them in a, what he needs to bring in and replace, which would be a, a like-for-like, but a bit younger and with less miles on the clock, if, if that's the right phrase as well. I suppose... It's a bit of a theoretical one, realistically, this question, but... With Endo coming in, like you say, experience, we don't, we don't want to put him as sort of a, a prime Verate or, you know, comparison to Caicedo. But what would you say would almost be a, a successful season? What are we actually looking for from Endo to come in, would you say, for this campaign? I think probably I expect him to play a bit more minutes than James Milner. I know we kind of compared him to Milner, but, you know, Liverpool are going to be in the Europa League. I think he's someone who could play a key role in that Europa League campaign. Uh, I'm kind of just expecting him to come on and and become a cult hero. And right now, obviously, knowing that Liverpool are probably not going to bring in another holding midfielder before the Bournemouth game, I think maybe in the next couple of games he could be a starter as well. He, He seems to be in good form. He seems in shape. And, you know, he is used to sort of like the gig and pressing German football. So I don't think he should have too many issues fitting into the squad. So I'm kind of just expecting him to become a cult hero. He'll come on and he'll, you know, get a few tackles, will run about and, and will endear himself to the supporters. I think, like I mentioned, that like I was speaking to someone at Stuttgart um, and, and he was telling me that the Stuttgart fans gave him this nickname called, uh, they called him Legendo because obviously his first name, his surname is Endo. Uh, and, and, and I think that tells you all you need to know, really, if, if the fans love him so much. Um, that's, that's a good sign, I think, for Liverpool. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Legendo. Yeah, it, it would be great. As, as someone said, Hendo without the H, but let's just hope he has an effect and becomes a cult hero in double quick style it would be great and never should count our chickens especially this week or the last few weeks everything that's happened around the likes of Caicedo and the the Lavia sagas there but realistically Ben you know that we saw Liverpool put 111 million on the table for Caicedo so if you take away the the endo fee you're hoping realistically there's no excuse to not think there's about 95 million give or take a a few pounds here and there however there is the contrast of it as people are are quite right to stay if endo does come in there is only one homegrown spot or one non sorry one non-homegrown spot Mm. remaining with that in mind and looking that 
people will look at this two ways, i.e. Endo's come in, he's a, a number six holding midfielder, however you describe it. What do you think is the next priority for us in terms of, is it that left-sided defender that people are talking about or is it another midfielder just to say we've ticked that box and that's the rebuild complete? How do you look at it in that regard? I, I still see it as um, the holding midfielder. Oh, I, I don't think we've gotten the Caicedo or Lavia alternative. I think Endo potentially could have been in line even before all of this happened. I, like Klopp mentioned, he, he wanted someone experienced. So I don't actually think this is a deal that affects Liverpool's pursuit of a holding midfielder that much. I think this was potentially always going to happen. If it was an endo, it was going to be someone else. Um, so for me, the priority is, is, is still the holding midfielder, although I do have, you know, some qualms about the the left back situation and the, the left side of centre back situation. Uh I, I do worry about Liverpool's depth, but I just think we just have to get another six in. I think um, it's a necessity, really. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's very difficult to argue against that. And in line with the the tweets or things that, that you've mentioned, that when we talk about suitable targets, and there's been many links, as there always is again this week with Liverpool, so even the old names recycled, like the the Kones, Graven Birch, Turams, but... One that almost just keeps coming up, as we talked about before, Decore at Crystal Palace. That name not only seems to be coming up more, it's actually being quoted, isn't it, in the places like The Guardian. Miguel Delaney had it in The Independent. Liverpool are moving forward for that as well. And I do know that you've sort of mentioned Decore uh, quite a few times in that regard. Mm. What do you like about the player? What really sort of attracts you to him for us? I think... It's it's many of the same things as Endo really. He he's really good at winning defensive duels. Uh, he's very good at reading the game. I think he's actually pretty much probably more positionally disciplined than Caicedo is, uh, which is really the type of holding midfielder Liverpool need right now. They need a Fabinho who doesn't venture forward too much and kind of stays in his position and, and reads the game and provides that protection in front of the back four so in that sense I I, I really like Decore I think he'd be a really good fit uh, I kind of favoured him over Lavia uh, because you know I think he was linked with us around the same time as Lavia uh, back in July and at the time I was thinking in my head really I think Decore would be a better option he's more experienced uh, I know Technically, they've both only had a season in the Premier League, but Decore yeah. has been playing at senior football for years now. Uh, and uh, he's done really well in League One uh, for, for many years. And and then, obviously, having spoken to some of his academy coaches, knowing the environment that he came from, the JMG Academy, which is one of the best academies in Africa, it's developed uh, talents like, uh, Yaya Torre, Kolo Torre, uh, Salomon Kalu uh, from Mali. Uh, you have the likes of Yves Basuma uh, and etc. And, and Decore himself, Amadou Haidara wow. at Red Bull Salzburg. So they've got a yeah. really good track record, some really interesting methods as well in terms of uh, 
players have to play barefoot and they have to earn the right to to wear football boots uh and i think the kind of methodology behind that is uh Jean-Marc Gallou who who founded the academy uh was kind of inspired by the, the Brazilian football how Brazilians always play barefoot and he kind of had this theory that that's why they're so technically gifted uh and and that's why he makes his academy players play initially barefoot and it's only i think once they get to the older categories that they actually play with football boots um so in that sense i think many people have mentioned the decor the fact that at crystal palace yes his defensive numbers have been great but if you look at his passing numbers it hasn't really been of high volume but i i just think that's just a symptom of crystal palace being crystal palace yeah. you know a, a very defensive side and if if you look at how he performed that lens he he was actually among some in some metrics he was among the best players in terms of um you know dribbling and uh, going forward with the ball and and his distribution as well so um you know with his background his technical background i think he would fit in at liverpool even uh, in possession and not just out of possession Wow, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I didn't think we'd be talking about academies in Africa and playing barefoot, but I'm I'm even more sold on it than I was before. Realistically, it's what one thing I did want to ask though, because this is important, especially if we're looking to almost learn the lessons of Caicedo, Lavia, that it doesn't always, you know, work in the sense that we get the players that we want. There's been a, a few others mentioned, Ben. I'm sure you've seen the names of us maybe going back over old ground, as it were, but there's still links there, like Gravenberch has come back up, Kone's name again, Turam's come in back up. The other big one that seems to be quoted on a number of occasions is Andre at Fluminese. I suppose mm. if... I know Decore is kind of your choice, and obviously a lot of fans' choice completely understand that. It would be mine as well. If it for any reason can't be Decore because of talks around the fee and what's required, who would be your other go-to to sort of meet what Liverpool need right now? I think that's when you get into a really tough territory, really. Um, I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, out of all the names, out, out of the names you mentioned, I think I'm in favour of Andre the most, but he's really difficult to get right now because Fluminense don't want to sell and obviously if you get Andre and potentially sell uh, a a non-homegrown player then with the kind of fee that you're talking about for Andre you could potentially get a left-sided centre back in as well which is why I would be in favour of him whereas I think with Gravenberg he's going to cost quite a lot of money and is he the right fit really? I, I just I, I like him as a box-to-box midfielder, but as a holding midfielder, I don't think he's ready. Uh, or he, I don't know if he'll ever be ready to, to play that role for Liverpool. Manu Kone, again, I like him. I think he could potentially be a number six for Liverpool, but there's a lot of concerns with his injury record. Uh, you've got to remind me who the other names you mentioned. Uh, I think pa- Palinho, uh is another one, but again, he yeah. costs a lot of money. Uh, so yeah, I think after Decore, um, who kind of fits Liverpool's profile in terms of age, uh, pro, just everything really. After Decore, you're, you're really struggling. I can't see a lot of players in the market uh, who who would be a good fit. 
Yeah, it, indeed. And we'd have to hope it doesn't come to this. I think we all want Decore, but yeah, we'd be already on to our essentially fourth choice, as it mm. were. So yeah, fingers crossed we hear something break solid on that one. But that's enough on transfer targets right now, because that is a different show. We could talk about that all day. But funnily enough, amongst all the, the chaos and the dramas off the pitch, there has actually been a game in the last week and there's even one coming up on Saturday. So the Chelsea game was last Sunday, the Super Sunday, wasn't it? Uh, a one-all draw. Fascinating game in the sense of Liverpool, you know, really on top early doors, went one up through Luis Diaz. The second one, obviously, or disallowed through Mo Salah. And then, to be fair, it seemed that almost, unfortunately, Chelsea took over, didn't they? And there were almost periods that we seemed to have zero control I'm almost hanging on potentially at times as well. I mean, that seems to be the, the general consensus. But what were your honest thoughts on the game, Ben? And what were your sort of biggest takeaways from it that way? I think overall, it was just indicative of Liverpool's need to have a, a holding midfielder. And I think um, the possession really showed that Chelsea dominated possession. Liverpool struggled to get a hold of the ball. Uh, yes, there were some really exciting moments in the first 25 minutes. I think, you know, uh, the most exciting one for me was when Dominic Soboslai ran into that Chelsea box and Diogo Jota, I think, maybe, probably rightfully took the ball off him, even though, <laughs> yeah. even though he, he kind of scuffed his effort. But it was going to be on Dominic's left and he's that's not his stronger foot. So I think in all fairness, Jota was right to take that shot, but he just absolutely scuffed it. Uh, and, and other than that, there were some really exciting moments in those first 25 minutes going forward. But then it became a really uncomfortable watch for me just because Liverpool struggled so much to get a hold of the ball. And I don't think we're used to that under Jurgen Klopp in the last few, few years. Uh, we've always controlled the ball really well, even in these big matches. And even against the likes of Manchester City, there's only been a few occasions when City really dominated us. But I felt like Chelsea really dominated us possession-wise. And I think that was probably the, my biggest concern. And again, that just shows Liverpool's sort of lack of control in midfield. Um, and hopefully that will be addressed soon. Yeah, absolutely. Fingers crossed with that. And it was interesting. I mean, it was the fascinating the the way he set up, wasn't it? With, with Gakpo on the, the left-hand side, only selecting two natural midfielders and almost the, the joy that, that Chelsea seemed to have, especially against, you know, Andy Robertson. There's naturally understandable people and fans felt he was a bit isolated there with Sterling and James were often two-on-one against him. I suppose... It's not about ratings, because I know many people do sort of ratings out of 10 and things like that. What's, I think, more prevalent to ask, Ben, from that first game? And, and people always say it, it's right. Don't read too much into the first game. It's the start of the season. But was there anyone who sort of impressed you, maybe disappointed slightly, stood out in that sense for you at all? I think McAllister was really good, even though that was not his natural position. I think he, he stepped up and did really well under the circumstances he looks like he's going to be a good signing I really liked uh, Sobosay as well particularly his defensive side of the game uh, you know you mentioned Robertson being exposed but Trent 
wasn't that exposed. And I think that's, that's new at Liverpool. We haven't really seen that. Uh, Liverpool often struggled on that right side, but they didn't really struggle as much. And I think that was down to Sobosite sort of coming back all the time and, uh, making sure he, he covered the, the spaces and the gaps Trent left behind when he went forward. So I think the, the two new signings are definitely a positive. I think Virgil van Dijk was really good as well. Uh, yeah. He, he seems to have been really good all preseason and it's found a new sort of newfound confidence really since uh, getting the cup captain's armband. Um, I think Konate as well. Yeah. The, the defense, there's the two center backs. There was no issue with them. Uh, I think obviously just Liverpool was a little bit exposed on Robertson's side and that's where Chelsea had most of their joy, uh, going forward. And, um, yeah, I think those are the positives in terms of the negatives. I think, um, uh, it's too harsh to, to criticize any of the forward players because Liverpool just couldn't control possession and, and that because of that, they barely got the ball. Yeah, very true. As much as we, you know, we love our forwards and there's some incredible players there, especially people like Seller. If you're not controlling possession, it's going to be very, very hard for them to have the influence we want them to. And naturally, that leads to things like the, the substitution and people reading too much into that. But at the end of the day, a point on the opening day away at Stamford Bridge with no holding midfielders maybe isn't the worst result, all things considered that way. But... Then we've got to look forward and we've got our first home game against Bournemouth coming up on the Saturday. Looking forward to it. I'll be there. Fingers crossed the sun is shining. And most importantly, fingers crossed, we are looking forward to our first home win of the season, our first win of the season, as it were, in that regard. Now, it's actually too early a little so much for team news because Jurgen Klopp's press conference isn't until half one Friday. However, the early indications are that Curtis Jones is going to be out with a, a swollen ankle. He's got a knock on his ankle that way. Now, it's an interesting one because I don't know if you agree. To me, and you can tell me whether you disagree on this, Liverpool seem to, I wouldn't say grasp control, that's too strong, but they seem to have a semblance of control when the youngsters, as in Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott, came on in the midfield. Do you think that sort of gave Liverpool a bit of a platform to build on on Sunday? Yeah, I think I'm kind of disappointed if Jones does miss out because I thought when he came on in, and played in South Africa, Liverpool's midfield looked a lot better. Uh, I mean, naturally, Jones is more of a midfielder than Gakpo is. And I think in all fairness to Gakpo, he's done really well in pre-season in that role. But in in that first game against Chelsea, I thought Jones was better. And I think given his form over the summer and the towards the end of last season, he would have deserved a start in this game. Um, especially if Klopp, I think he will likely persist with uh, McAllister in the number six role if Thiago and Bicetic are not deemed ready to play. Um, mm. Obviously, then there's the question of Endo, but yeah. I think he'll have, if he does sign, he'll have to be re- registered by 12pm on Friday. Uh we're talking now on Thursday afternoon. I, I don't know if that's going to happen. And obviously that would also mean he, he wouldn't have trained with the team. So I don't know if Klopp would throw him in at the deep end so soon. Um, so realistically speaking, I think 
the mid the most likely midfield three if Jones was fit would have been Jones on the left, Soboslay on the right, and McAllister in the six. And I think that would have been a yeah. really good midfield against Bournemouth. Now it's going to be interesting to see who Klopp decides to go with. Uh, I mean, potentially, like I said, if Bicic is fit, he could start. Uh, but that's a big if. We, we don't know if if he's ready yet or if he's physically there. He's missed uh, a lot of time with that injury. Uh, same with Thiago. So if if they're not ready, then maybe Harvey Elliott could get some game time. And I thought he did quite well against Chelsea as well, to be fair. But um, then that would mean probably Solisay goes out on the left. And I don't know if Solisay is that effective on the left. I think he played yeah. much better on the right. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting dynamic. And I think people tend to underestimate Bournemouth as well. They've they've done some really good signings and I think they looked pretty solid. I watched them in, in their opening again, game of the season against West Ham and they were quite solid. They looked uh, really good. I think they were unfortunate to go a goal behind and uh, they got players who can hurt Liverpool. I mean, in Hungary, most of the talk is about how potentially Sobosai could be coming up against Milos Kerkes on the left uh, back, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's, that's the main talk here in Hungary. And I think uh, he is just one of uh, a number of good signings Bournemouth have made um, this summer. And I think because of that, they're, they're, they could be a threat. I know last season in the same fixture, we beat them 9-0, but I'm not expecting such a comfortable victory this time around. Yeah, absolutely. It's more more important, especially on this early on in the season, just get the three points on the board more than anything. And I, d- I did want to ask you about the team, naturally, which, you, you know, you stepped into there. The, the forward line's maybe the most interesting thing, because if we look at it against um, Chelsea, it was Jota in the middle, Diaz on the left, Salah as, as natural on the right. So you'd think this weekend, naturally, it's just Salah and two others, as it, it always is. Hmm. It's an interesting one because Diaz scored, so obviously that that works in his favour. Again, I don't want to be too critical; it was difficult for the forwards, but didn't really do too much from there. And, and probably the the two that were naturally, you know, ineffective. It might be fair to say were Jota and Gakpo for different reasons. And then Darwin comes on, ponytail down type of thing, and deflected strike, but puts himself about a bit. And even if you know. McAllister had just played that better ball to him. It could have been a different story as well. But ultimately, it is hard to to second guess Klopp, especially the the way he sets up and the teams he picks at this moment in time. Who would you be going for in those three forward roles? I know naturally one's going to be Salah, but who would be the other two you'd be steering towards? Now it's Bournemouth at home as opposed to Chelsea away. Hmm. I think Bournemouth are going to set up defensively, so. For that reason, I'm picking Diaz on the left. I'm I'm sticking with Diaz on the left. Just because against these low blocks and these defensive sides, Liverpool really miss someone who's good in these one-on-one situations. Uh, And Diaz is one of those players who can take players on. And, you know, if he beats a couple of players, then that opens up a bit of space for Liverpool's other attackers. And then, you know, that's how you get goals. And, uh, that's how you break down these teams. So I think his dribbling ability is crucial in, in, in these kind of games. And that's why I think Diaz definitely starts. And for a similar reason, I think I'm picking Nunez because he has 
not obviously he's not necessarily very good in his one versus one situations, but off the ball, he makes really important runs and he, he draws out defenders as well. And I think that can also open up spaces for the likes of Salah and the likes of Diaz. And now Liverpool have some offensive midfielders as well. And Harvey Elliott, Dominic Soboslai, Alexis McAllister can all go forward and 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 create chances and, and make things happen in, in, in the opposition's final third. So for that reason, I, I think I would go with those two alongside Salah. And uh, obviously having the likes of Gakpo and Diego Chotes are not bad options to have off the bench. Yeah, very understandable. I mean, especially at home, there's no reason not to expect a few goals to go in the net and, you know, the, the way the system's been quite open, who knows at the other end. But fingers crossed, it is three points to the Reds on Saturday. And the final question I wanted to, to ask you, Ben, was, it's probably a bit of Mystic Meg time, but if you had to put a score and scorer on for the weekend, what would you be steering towards? Um, I'd go 3-1. I think I'd be happy with a 3-1 victory. Uh, yeah, 3-1. Yeah, 3-1 would be a great result. But listen, it is three points that matters, especially with the week after Newcastle away, another tough away fixture. So fingers crossed, ladies and gents, we are looking at three points of the weekend. Fingers crossed we get Endo in the squad at least. He gets introduced to Anfield, maybe a few minutes for the likes of him, a few minutes for the likes of Thiago, Badge and a few other players potentially. But fingers crossed, no further injuries and three points on Saturday. So it only leaves me to say, Ben, thank you very much for your insight and time. I know you're a busy man, especially uh, away abroad at the moment. So it is much appreciated, sir. It's, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed it. Real good stuff. And fingers crossed, next time on, ladies and gents, we're talking about a Decore, an Andre, and maybe one or others. Who knows? Yes, but, please. Fingers crossed. But that is another Media Matters special. For Anfield Index. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24 7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.